Support for Pivot comes from Vanta. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated fast. Now, you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, and that platform is Vanta. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, you can save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. To learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews, watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash pivot. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash pivot to watch Vanta's on-demand demo. Support for the show comes from Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync, so even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account so ambitious companies have the precision control and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Scott, you're very quiet today. Speak <clears throat> up. Am I? Hello. All right. Hello. Come on. What's going on? What's little going late, on? A little quiet. What's going on? Yeah, this is one of those days where, um, you know, I've been like 10 minutes late and like like two minutes away from losing my keys and just yeah. uh, just been a crazy morning. Well, I'll be there on Thursday. So this will all you're be are. You're coming I in. Am. I'm coming and in. And it's growing. More and more family are showing up. You're bringing I know, your I'm son. I'm sorry. I, I do have children and I cannot leave them behind. It's just a, like a snack. Oh, I'm I, good at that. I'll show you how to do that. Okay, good. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have a lot to talk about and we yeah. will also be taking photos of our lovely time together. But um, first of all, uh, the Biden administration has officially blamed and sanctioned Russia for its role in the SolarWinds hack that compromised computer systems in multiple government agencies as well as private companies. Uh, we had brought on Nicole Pearl Roth and you really liked talking to her. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, this is so strange. I was not, as you know, I was not a supporter of uh, President Biden during the campaign. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you feel this way. I feel like every decision he's made, it's like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just yeah. such a He's weird a feeling. He's doing a lot. <laughs> it's such an unusual feeling over the last four years. Where I'm like, what the fuck? Very <laughs> busy people. Yeah, and and competence is sort of the new, you know, is in vogue again. Uh, yeah, I think the Russians understand strength. Yeah, what's interesting, or I found interesting about the Solar Winds hack, is supposedly they showed restraint. Supposedly they were worried about causing too much damage for fear of poking the bear too hard. Uh, yeah. So, look, we're I think Russia is a failed state. I think once you get outside of uh, Moscow, you see just how economically dire the situation is, how the lack of diversification in the economy. Um, and it's unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, when an economy or uh, a society is backed into a corner, they become more dangerous. Uh, I think yeah. Russia is, a, is turning slowly but surely into a failed state. And their uh, success or ability to rally their people is around kind of foreign, creating foreign adversaries. And yeah, foreign Navalny countries. is going to be interesting. He's on a hunger that strike. That is interesting. Day 20, and his wife said he's near death. His daughter said he's near death. And yeah. they're trying to force, they, they fried chicken in front of him. And then he, they put candy in his 
in his in his uh, prison garb. The whole thing, I think they're really playing with fire with this guy. This he is really quite has become something of a of of a figure in terms of pushing back on what's going on. Now, the Biden administration didn't push back on the Russia bounty stuff because there wasn't quite enough evidence yet about that, but there's a number of issues that we have with Russia that I think they're they're probably behind the scenes pushing back rather significantly uh on this. And then this solar winds thing is really this being run by a woman that maybe we'll get her on here, Ann Newberger, mm-hmm. uh, who's really competent, like fixing of it. But it's really massive. This is a massive hack and and uh and and there should be, you know, reprisals along mm-hmm. with these kind of things, these sanctions, backroom reprisals that we don't see. Well, the, the new proxy wars, whether it was Afghanistan or, I mean, arguably Vietnam was a proxy war where superpowers don't want to directly confront each other because uh-huh. you can spin out of control into nuclear you know, Armageddon. But the new proxy wars are these uh, cyber attacks. And the thing we don't talk about is we're actually pretty good at that. And I th- yeah. and those don't get as oh, much. Oh, no, we are. Those don't get as much uh, publicity. But well, it's. They're um, meant not to get publicity. Yeah. We do. I think that's right. Do without. them quietly. Yeah. Yeah, what's interesting is I, I interviewed the head of the CIA's technology division today, and there's mm-hmm. some of the stuff, they're, she's of the physical stuff they're doing, and they're working on drone technology, all kinds of physical stuff, because of the idea of, like, you pull out of Afghanistan, you still have to have some eyes on the ground, and so mm-hmm. they're working on all kinds of uh, different things, and I think it's going to be a really interesting next year of who's going to dominate both the physical digital space with, mm-hmm. you know, sensors, et cetera, and then in the cybers area, and it's certainly going to be the sort of the battleground uh, for hegemony. Of course, the real uh, rival is China in this area, but Russia can make plenty of trouble, and they have. Um, speaking of our government, NASA announced that it awarded a contract to Elon Musk's company SpaceX for $2.9 billion to take astronauts to the moon for a space landing spot. Uh, it's the space race between Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, who was working on this, a moon-landed a moon landed landing area. Um what do you that they're going to use the moon to be sort of the base to jump off on from? Um, mm-hmm. And so this is another win for for Elon uh, Musk uh, over Lockheed and other other companies too. Yeah, look, uh, uh, there's just no doubt about it. And it, what would be interesting is everyone credits Elon Musk, but what he clearly is also a genius at is greatness. And lunar landers are in the agency of others. He must have an right. ability to attract incredibly talented engineers. It, it and it's interesting, and I don't know. You know, there's all these articles on the the tip of the pyramid below uh, Bezos. You know, yeah. who are the 15 most powerful people other than Bezos? You don't see a lot of those articles on yeah. uh, Musk. It's all about him. And I wonder if at some point— Well, Gwen Shotwell is the CEO of SpaceX, and she doesn't go out a lot. I think I've tried to get her to do an interview, and she's like, no, you can talk to Elon. You know what I mean? That's what they basically uh, say to me. I, I would argue that, you know, <laughs> Elon strikes me as the kind of person that's like, well— Okay, you can go on a remote podcast for your book club, but other than that, it's all about me. I just don't. Yeah, I, I get awesome. the sense. I get the sense. I mean, Am- Amazon's done a really good job of saying, "Hey, meet Andy Jassy or uh, you Jim, know, Dave just, Clark." Yeah, yeah. They, they. Uh, I don't. I would argue that Musk has not done. Uh, at the same time, he's become a mythical character, which has resulted in incredibly cheap capital. But short term, they're the winner. But long term, I really do think the winner is NASA here because they're taking advantage of this. The mother of all midlife crises where two guys are sword fighting with their dicks in space and they keep trying to uh, – NASA is going to put people on the moon for less money than it would cost taxpayers by playing these two off of each other. Yeah. And they're – in the battle of egos, um, it results in cheap capital for the government. So I think – actually, I think the big winner here is NASA and taxpayers who are going to get – 
uh, space cargo and space hauling uh, at a fraction of the cost it would cost to develop internally at NASA. So, yeah. So Bezos' space exploration company is called Blue Origin, and it was also yeah. the uh, SpaceX beat out uh, Blue Origin, which had been really focused on this. They have they have different ways of going about it, but it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, and it should be, you know, more and more. You know, Musk has won a bunch of defense contracts. You're going to see that his companies. Uh, wander into lots of spaces, a lot of defense spaces. Um, and it's it's an unusual thing. I talked to him really briefly about it separately. You know, the difficulty level of getting into the defense sort of arena and beating mm-hmm. out, not Jeff Bezos, but it's the bigger, it's the bigger sort of Lockheed Martin's types that he that he was sort of like you don't get in here this is this has been a you know an uphill battle to get it within this uh buying area but they certainly have uh, made the investments we'll see where it goes i think spacex is the most interesting part of his business i know tesla everybody focuses well the on analogy that. i would use is that some of the big players in the early stages of the internet were the people who figured out a way to move data basically transported uh-huh. data you know broadband right the cisco's of the world the infrastructure yeah. guys the telco guys uh, and I would I would argue that SpaceX, to a certain extent, is uh, bandwidth, and that is the ability to transport atoms into space, which is really yeah. difficult. But their Falcon product, if you will, yeah. is hauling more stuff into space reliably and cost-effectively. And so I think of that as almost kind of the new broadband, is your ability to transport things into space, which is really difficult and really expensive. Uh, but right Indeed. now, they're kind of the, the, call it space band winner. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting area. Yeah. We should we have should have a space person on. I like, I've had a couple space people on Sway, but I love this idea of, I would love to get Gwen Shotwell on here, but she won't do anybody. She, she stays low. She stays low. She does not come out. But let's go on to our big stories. We've got two mm-hmm. of them today. Uh, and also a wonderful uh, friend of Pivot, as you know, is coming on. Mm-hmm. So Facebook is pushing into the audio space. The company plans to announce a host of new audio products, including Clubhouse competitor, apparently, who knows when, and a podcast discovery apparatus in partnership with Spotify. Now, listen, it's done stuff like this before, which is called frictionless sharing and things like that. It's not clear what they're doing on Spotify. They'll probably just surface their podcast onto Spotify and vice versa, I guess. Um, They're reportedly looking into an audio-only version of Rooms, which launched as a competitor Zoom, has not set the world on fire necessarily. But this is sort of a lift from Clubhouse. And obviously, Twitter's in this space. Spotify's going to be in here. Discord, uh, you know, there's all kinds of players in this audio social space. What think you of this? Another copy by Facebook or what? And Mark's going all out today talking to everybody but us about this. Um, is that because of me? Is that what no, you're saying? I think it's me. You think it's you? <laughs> it's, not, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> it's not about me, it's about you for once. This one is me, I think. Yeah. But go ahead, go ahead. Um, <laughs> offensive and more offensive. Um, yes, right. Look, I, I think there's what I call a uh, NPS or an emotional arbitrage, and that is if you can find categories that people become emotionally wedded to that aren't that expensive, there's an yeah. NPS arbitrage. So Amazon can only get so much goodwill delivering your Nespresso pods within 48 hours and 45 hours. But if they can hook you into a TV program, yeah. you start feeling very emotionally connected to Prime, whether it's too transparent or the marvelous Mrs. Mizell. So there's kind of what I call, for lack of a better term, an NPS arbitrage. And it's just very hard to get a high NPS score around e-commerce or broadband or, you know, delivery, where you get the high NPS is in entertainment. And even within entertainment, the NPS arbitrage, and we've been talking about this for a year. Yeah. You know, when people come up to you and uh, either you or me and they're friends with us, 
Yeah. You know they've listened to a podcast. Yes. People don't come up and and start talking to me as if they're my friend when they read something they've done or they've seen me on yep. TV. They, do they come not. up. They're like, oh my God, we know each other. We talk right. for an hour. You're their so, so this NPS arbitrage around podcasting is enormous. In addition, when Andreessen Horowitz, I, I think of Clubhouse as almost like when 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 a VC decides they're also an operator, I think yeah. they've done most of the rounds and that four billion dollar yes, most recent valuation. Hundred yeah, million, billion, then, four billion. Again, I think that number is a bit of a head fake because it's we want to maintain momentum. And my understanding is I've never been on Clubhouse, but some of the people I follow who are on Clubhouse are saying that it's losing some of its mojo. But at the same time, if you look at the numbers, they're amazing. Um, Yeah, but the numbers, the download numbers are down. I think I've worried about, for them, I'd be worried about the end of the pandemic, that people are not doing this thing. They don't have enough of a, they don't have enough of a hook into people. And obviously people like you and I don't go there because there's no monetization. There's no, like, why bring a new interest graph, build it for them there? I feel like, why am I building a house over in... Like, uh, whatever, People Kansas. all the time call me. I'm not exaggerating. Every day, I want you to room on Clubhouse. I'm like, why the fuck am I no. going to make Mark Andreessen rich? Right. Yeah, uh, I, I just do don't, think that way, too. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I get all, you know, I get these. Uh, uh, no, I bet uh, they want you on there. Uh, but it's popular. just sort of, okay. And then Twitter comes in. Have you been on Spaces? I did Spaces. Yes, I've been doing them every week. I find them really interesting. And it's really times. good. I think the it's technology fine. There's is There's some really... glitches, but it'll yep. figure it out. I, 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 you know, interesting. Uh, Kayvon, uh, who runs Product Air, is on every week to watch it. Because I think we, I get lots of, I mean, pretty good numbers. And so it's improving. It's not perfect, but it's not bad. And my interest graph is there. My interest graph is there. But this is what I think is going on uh, in the boardroom of Clubhouse right now, which is essentially, I think, the Monday morning partners meeting at Andreessen. I think that they probably are getting a little bit of humility, and yeah. they're probably going to say, we need to get out while this getting is good. And supposedly, Twitter made a $4 billion acquisition yeah. uh, offer for them. I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised, and you know, this would, would have been my prediction on Friday. I think Clubhouse is acquired in the next six months as they start By to whom, recognize. Because, fa- look, Mark is on the board of Facebook, Mark Andreessen, mm-hmm. and he also is does Clubhouse and mm-hmm. Substack too. Um, uh, what do you what do you imagine who would buy it? Because I think Facebook would would not pay four billion dollars for it. Oh, I don't think they're gonna I think they're gonna have to come up with an elegant way to not disclose the terms. Yeah. Uh, but look Clubhouse has some momentum. It has a following. Um, and this space is is heating up because of the intimacy or the NPS arbitrage of voice and audio, which is really interesting that it's kind of reinventing itself. Yeah. But uh, one of the bigger players, I, I don't think, I think Clubhouse is has attracted, just the way Tesla has attracted a bunch of sharks because all of a sudden the automobile market has grown from $100 billion in value to a trillion in value on the backs yeah. of a six or $700 billion increase in value of Tesla. The fact that Clubhouse supposedly gets a $4.5 billion valuation, which I think is a bit of a head fake, has kind of made the audio space overnight worth twice as much as it was just six months sure. ago. Yep. And then Twitter Twitter and Facebook, who are all looking for more hooks, as you said, or more affinity, say, yep. okay, voice, let's take our, you know, let's Facebook says, let's take my 100 engineers, and Twitter says, okay, let's take my one engineer. Right. And, uh, and, and uh, start start innovating around this. And I just wonder if Andreessen Horowitz goes, okay, th- some bigger sharks are showing up. We're going to yeah. find this is the a record. Feature. I do think this is a feature. Yeah, it's I a really right. interesting feature, but I think it's a feature. And so I, I, it's, you know, you wonder if it's Instagram again, or if it's something like, you know, yo, or that I just, 
I don't think it's Instagram. And I also don't think any of these companies do media very well as much as, you know, there's these big articles touting Andreessen Horowitz for doing their own media. I think it's Mm -hmm. just PR. It's just very dressed up PR is what they're doing. I think it's worth that. I think it's rich old white guys who don't like the press, so they want to control the press. I actually yeah, think there's perhaps. a really there's a really uncomfortable element to it. Yeah. When people are like, I don't like our coverage, so I'm going to create our own coverage, which I guess is kind of content marketing. Yeah. But, yeah or maybe I'm just jealous that they They've have got their own more podcasts. on there than that. That's the thing. The really powerful stuff isn't that that mm-hmm. noise. It's actually. Um, uh, it's actually some of the other spaces, but we'll see where it goes. I mean, because there's a lot of multi-level marketing, there's a lot of cleaning up. I just, I, I, it'll be interesting. Interestingly enough, I had the CEO coming on to Sway this week, and he canceled, saying he's really busy. He, they, they pitched me. We agreed. Everything was confirmed, and then they said they were busy. I suspect, it, I suspect their funders were like, "Don't get near Kara Swisher or something." Mm, but they that canceled. That is actually very telling. You know what that is. Well, it was highly unprofessional. I can tell you that it was well, really more weird. Than, more than that, it's this is this is in my view what's happening. Our numbers suck. She's about to find out that our numbers suck, and we don't want those questions. Yeah, I guess it was really like I have to say I was looking forward to it, and I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about it. Just you know, the Substack guy had the cojones to go on. Like you know what I mean? Like this was mm-hmm. like so unprofessional the way they did it, and you know whatever they can talk to whoever they want and make their choices, but you don't. You don't pitch someone and then you cancel at the last Karis. minute. You don't pitch the jungle cat and then no, not show up and, in a tree with no, an antelope. No, but Friday, my staff spent time getting ready for it. Like this is bullshit. I was pretty pissed. I'm, I, I think it was. I think it was completely Andreessen Horowitz generated. Anyway, uh, we'll see what happens to them. I think it's a good product, but they have a lot of competitors. All right, Scott, mm-hmm. let's go on a quick break. We'll be back and talk about WeWork SPAC and our friend mm-hmm. of Pivot and new colleague Preet. Let's pr- practice together. Barara, you got mm-hmm. it. Barara. Mm-hmm. Got it? Carrara. No, Carrara. No, you, Carrara. Anyway, let's talk about we work when we get back. Okay. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Okay, we are back. Let's talk about WeWork coming back. It's coming out with a SPAC. 
as we talked mm-hmm. about, it could happen. It, this is a company we 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 were very not very nice to for a long time, and now mm-hmm. after disastrous IPO, which we pointed out, I think as a public service, mm-hmm. especially you, Scott, in 2019, WeWork was attempting a new debut with a SPAC, which gives the company more leeway than a traditional IPO. The shared office providers expected to merge with a SPAC called BoX Acquisition Corp. Mm-hmm. The SPAC values WeWork at nine billion dollars, including debt, which I think is the number you had talked about originally. Mm-hmm. Oddly mm-hmm. enough, what think you of this? We've talked about this. What do you What do you think? Uh, so, look, I uh, when the facts change, I change my mind. And and yeah. you have one, you have a company whose valuation has been cut by eighty percent. So I don't yeah. like, you know, I don't like uh, Tesla at this price. But if yeah. if Tesla yeah. went to seventy dollars from six hundred or whatever it is, I might yeah. change my tune. Right. Um, and the fact that the valuation here has been cut by eighty percent, and also. Yeah. They have the winds of COVID at their back, and that is in pulse marketing. It's dangerous, but I, I'm very involved in two small businesses. Yeah, and we at one place we had beautiful office space, five yeah. year lease, mm-hmm. eighty bucks a foot, and Got rid the of pandemic it. came, and I said I stroked a check for about a million bucks to the landlord to get out of it. Yeah, and uh, when we go back, I am going back for I want a few things. I want flexibility. Mm-hmm. I want less space. Yeah. But I want that space to be more communal and, quite frankly, more aspirational and just more fun because it's the young people who really want to get back and find mentors and yeah. friends. And all of that, all of that feeds into WeWork, who, by the way, a lot of their competitors, whether it's Notel or Regis or whoever, ha- are impaired. So, right. uh, like I said, and and also I'm a, I'm a fan of the CEO, Sandeep Matrani. So, yep. I'm, I'm you know, we've said this before, I'm bullish on WeWork and bearish on Compass. Um in terms of real estate. So yeah. I think we work I think we work is sort of the what rises happened? from the ashes here. Masayoshi Son speaking of rising and the Vision Fund. They had a big valuation on this mother. Look, they have they've had big wins with Open Door, uh yeah. less you know, obviously not as good with um um uh, Compass, they just invested in a company I'm an investor in called Better. I, you know, you got to give Masa's due. He's like, you know, he's got cojones the size of Korea. I mean, he just yep. doesn't, he was not, he was not cowed by this failure. And, and the thing that will go down in history with WeWork is you had arguably, I would, uh, the greatest negotiator in the history of private markets exploiting the situation, recognizing that Masayoshi needed to save face, they needed to get him out of there. I mean, effectively, you had one man, Adam Newman, uh-huh. garner a $1.6 billion valuation for losing, uh, I'm sorry, he garnered a $1.6 billion commission mm-hmm. for losing $11 billion of other people's money. No one has yeah. ever been able to pull that off before. Yeah. Yeah. People get yeah. angry that, okay, you're the CEO and you've increased stakeholder value by a billion dollars and you pay yourself $50 million. Oh my God, a 5% commission, they get outraged. This is, this is a, what, a, a 20% yeah. commission on money lost? Yeah. I mean, we've just never seen anything like it. And yeah. Adam Newman is the person that comes out of here as the smartest person in the room. As far as I know, Indeed. he didn't do anything illegal. Indeed, I don't think he behaved rather well. It's a great but anyway, story. You, you were in a, a recently popular Hulu documentary about the WeWork fail. What Go was your, on. What, tell us Go about on. it. Tell us about it. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to see it with you this uh, weekend. Probably will make me watch it. But go ahead. Over and over and over. It's my screensaver. <laughs> my, my son screensaver. will like it. Alex loves um, this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's. Uh, I did it about six months ago, and it was in the midst of COVID, and I was a total prima donna. They're like, come to our New Jersey studio, and I'm like, I have no. one hour, and you come to my place, or I'm not doing this bullshit. <laughs> um, I was total Beyonce, but she's probably nicer than that. Anyways, 
so they came over and they did this thing. They just asked me a bunch of questions and I ended up uh-huh. in this documentary. And what's most interesting is, you know what I got the most comments on after the documentary was, oh, Tell that me. was insightful comments. Everyone wanted to know about my bar cart. <laughs> and everybody zeroed in on the alcohol I drink. <laughs> All the comments were on my rolling bar cart oh, and how right. it was like literally right next but to what me. What was your takeaway if it was six months ago? It was like, this was a disaster. You did the, you did the backward looking thing. Did you have any, what did you, what was your takeaway from I the entire? Is, I just think this is, I think it all comes down to, to kind of instinct. And I think you had a guy, again, I believe if you tell a 30 something year old guy with long hair that he's Jesus, he's inclined yeah. to believe you. And it yeah. was, I think this guy genuinely thought he was going to be president of the world and that he deserved to be a trillionaire. Yeah, he did. Uh, I, I, you know, I think his wife was uh, kind of uh, awful. Yeah. And and this the notion that we should have voter class rights that give our kids the right to this, even if they don't own any stock. It's just a level of narcissism yeah. and weirdness. And then you have Masayoshi San, who I think the biggest virus that infects successful people is believing that their success is their fault. Yeah. And Masayoshi San made the greatest investment in the history of the private markets, put $50 million into Alibaba and got $100 billion back. Yeah. And that has created this belief that his craziness is um, not always it, crazy. It, it, yeah, that that is genius. There's the craziness no, is sometimes crazy. There's just no regulators there. And yeah. I, I don't know if you've seen his deck on the singularity. Yeah, it's literally like when I'm on edibles, I sound rational compared to this deck. I thought this thing was from the <laughs> He's onion. He's a character. He was planning, do you realize, leading up to the IPO, he was planning to put another 10 or 12 billion yeah. into WeWork. Yep. And his limited partners, uh, I think it was the Mubalaba Fund or PIF, basically sat him down and said, we don't know what you're smoking over there, but we don't yeah. have access to the same hallucinogens, and we need you to sober up. And you do an update on the Vision Fund and its results. Some of them have been okay. Some of them have been less than well, they've okay. Had some wins. I think they did. Yeah. What did they do? They did, but Slack not the or... kind of. They were throwing money. I remember all the Silicon Valley people who competed with them were like, "This guy's just throwing money He's around, nuts. like stupid, stupid yeah. money." He's an interesting guy. I've spent a lot of time with him. I I really What's enjoy he like? it. Crazy, just like that. He he was talking about committing Harry Carey on the stage of All Things D once, which was interesting. He's just, he's really interesting and energetic and you can see why he attracts such attention. And he also, seems earnest. He seems in like a, way, a decent in man. In a way, I don't know. yeah. Um, you know, he and Jack Ma are sort of uh, similar in their, different but similar people. And we'll, we'll talk about Jack Ma on Thursday because what's happened to him is really, there was a great- I think Jack Ma, I, I think if Jack Ma was 6'2 and white, he'd be the most famous business person in the world. Oh, I, think Jack Maher, I think Jack I think Maher he's really something. He, he, is hugely underrated as a son has instincts that you that are hard. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see what happens. All right, last question, then we're going to bring on our incredible friend at Pivot, uh, Preet Bharara. Um, and one of the things uh, I want to ask, where is WeWork stock going to be? Comes out at $9 billion, What do you think? I, I don't know how people are going to are going to respond to the to the SPAC because it's got such an overhang on it. But yeah. I think I think WeWork I, uh, uh, is a good stock to own. Uh, okay. For the next couple of years, if you can get it at nine billion, because you have a you have growth, you yep. have a differentiated offering, and you have uh, they've gone from a messiah to a manager, which is an accretive move for shareholders. Uh, so I like it. Good management, okay. growth story, differentiated product, market that's probably open to it in a lot of ways for the next couple of years at least. The disruption in office space, I believe, plays to their strengths. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I'm a I you know I might. Anyways, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic. Turnaround. What do you think? Karen? I like 
I agree. I think I think they're in a good position, and it's a much better. It's it's still a lot of money, what it's worth, but we'll see how they do. And, and well managed, sure. Why not? Anyway, let's bring in our friend of Pivot and a new colleague who's here to. Oh told my me, gosh! Class up the joint. I'm here to class up the joint. My and, new and close the, friend. My new close. <laughs> he doesn't know this yet. <laughs> Let by him the way, speak. No, Let I him speak. I know because I have a transcript. Okay. Oh. Uh, that has been prepared by my staff of your last podcast. Oh no. Wherein Carol learned how to pronounce my name. I did. Barack. Very well done. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think you mispronounced it when I was on your podcast too, but I'm so polite. I know you should. And you say seem something. so lovely, and I wanted to be your friend. So oh, I don't. You know. It's Barack. by the way, it's it. it uh, Pre, don't believe that it doesn't raise your blood pressure to hear that the former head of the Southern District has a transcript of what you said. <laughs> it's very relaxing. I just you know, thank I, you. I'll, I'll Way to put it, us at ease. I'll mark it as Vox Exhibit One. Okay, that's true. In the lawsuit, multiple multiple people, including on our team, <laughs> friends of the family, in real time, as you were having a discussion, my phone was lighting up. <laughs> and and why was it lighting up? Might you ask? It's because gentle lover, professor. Yeah, he says, I think he, he being me, yeah. would be a very gentle lover, which I don't quarrel with that. <laughs> but you went on to say, uh, oh, I imagine go. him. My heart is literally at 210 beats. That a voice, after a bout of lovemaking, a bout of <laughs> lovemaking, that's how, that's how lawyers roll, saying, so quote, classy. honey, honey, let's, I'll make some Hot Pockets. And break out the Lancer's wine. That's good. So that's, that's that's good where I, I've got to lodge some complaint. I don't know if it's with the You're FCC. You're not going to find that on Clubhouse. You're not going to find that on Clubhouse. That's HR. Bank right. HR. I think that's that some kind of- That would be such a great case. This is what we do. Don't tell Bankoff. We do a fake <laughs> I thought you were sexual- serious people. No, we do a fake sexual oh, harassment lawsuit. And then we get all the money and then we split it. What do you think? I I just want to be serious for a moment, (laughs) Pre, now that you're part of the family. Whether you want this or not, you are now my one call. And you know what what I mean by my one call? No. Oh, no. You know when you uh, get arrested arrest? and they say, yeah, of course. this is your one call? So, dude, <laughs> yeah. I need your cell phone because that is like, oh, guess who Guess who daddy's using phone. his you one call You might want to call a lawyer who's practicing as opposed yes. to right, a podcast. No, just so no. you know, let, listen. You're listen. comforting. Hush, you're hush comforting Scott Galloway. Now, listen. Preet is a former U.S. attorney for the Southern District, very famously, host of the Stay Tuned with Preet podcast and best-selling author of Doing Justice. So we have so many things to talk about. What, tell me why you came to Vox, and then we'll talk about other things. Tell, be, this is going to be, be a long one. So To be with you. No, you with, didn't. No. Well, tell, what were you well, doing? Part, you get fired by Donald Trump. Uh Tell me what happened after that. How you got to where we are right how now? How long you? Well, Short. so I, Short. I decided I decided to write a book. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not want to immediately return to the practice of law, and you know, I'm not sure that law firm life was my immediate preference. Sure. Uh, and and I started teaching at NYU Law School, and in the course of things, my brother, who had <clears throat> a media company at the time and a brand called Cafe, yep, it's kind of fledgling. He said, "Why don't you come and and take that over and do something called a podcast?" Which I thought was going to be, you know, kind of a part time on the side thing, but you know, we were very successful. Yeah. And, and <laughs> when you get Explain successful who your brother is. Explain who your brother is. So are you taking a selfie of the <laughs> Yes, screen? I am. I'm going to put it up on the internet. Oh, Go ahead. Okay. I was just uh, noticing my, so my brother, that your name here on, on, uh, on, uh, on Squadcast is Gentle Lover. That is so, so good. And really here's what's funny. At this point. Gentle Lover. Evidence. Kara, Kara says, 
fair-minded moonwalker. I, just, I didn't know And that. then I look over to Galloway thinking he's going to have some clever no. little appellation, and it's Scott. Scott. <laughs> you know, Squadcast gives them to you. All right, go back. So you did this thing with your brother. Who's so, my, so my brother is, is also a trained lawyer, Columbia mm-hmm. Law School, went to the same yeah. law school. And he practiced for a little while and became a business person. He started a company called diapers.com, mm-hmm. yeah. which he sold to, I tell very, very famously, <laughs> I would yeah. often begin speeches comparing him to me. Yeah. Uh, when I became U.S. attorney, I thought I was the big deal. And I was the sort of the winner in the competitive family sweepstakes. So a family of underachievers. Is that what yeah. My brother then, yes. He Sells sold, he, he sold yeah. diapers.com, which by the way, he sold under the slogan, the diapers. Uh, we're number one in number two. So <laughs> yeah. imagine, imagine how proud my parents were. That's good. Well, then he sells deal- it to Amazon for $540 million, which is yeah. basically his way of saying, hey, bro, I see your whole U.S. attorney thing. And I raise you. Yeah. $540 yeah. million. So you start this tech, this company and start doing yeah. podcasts, right? Correct? Yeah. Right. And we have a newsletter and then we have a, we have a um, subscriber option also. Right. And it just, it just grew and grew and it became much more of my time. Uh, and then we started adding contributors and adding podcasts about the law, about national security, about cyber, about all sorts of things. Um, you know, and a bunch of people came calling thinking that there was real value. I and mean, that's what the most yeah. gr- gratifying thing about this is, is doing the work that we recognize and, and we have a large listenership and they recognize, um, I don't know if it's the most gratifying thing, but it's interesting to see the market yeah. appreciate and validate that too. It's an interesting time with all these. Do you, you know, want to know what really Do you want to know really? I mean, that's, okay, Tell that's the that. press release. What happened? Bankoff decided he wanted more perceived class and so he class. overpaid for your whatever you're doing. <laughs> Dude, you're literally, you're like a you're like a bow tie turned into a bow. You, you, Bankoff <laughs> overpaid for you just to try and class out. He's like, I- But then it's not an overpayment. Isn't that that's worth, right, isn't exactly. that worth something? Right. Th- that shows how much he I needs. I have a real question. All right, ask a real question. Should I put all my Vox money into WeWork? Was that what I was hearing? That's, yes, that's, that's right. right. We work in Alibaba. That's where yeah. you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So look, uh, I uh, very serious question. The over under, I would like uh, to get the st- the the percentage likelihood that uh, President Trump ends up in jail. Oh, okay. Oh, go I right. There. I don't do those percentages. Okay. Ratios. Um, where does he stand? Look, I, I, where does he? I, I think <clears throat> you're I think, at Vox. This is no longer. This is no longer a place to be measured and responsible. <laughs> I would say forty one point nine percent. No. I, People talk about all these places where he has jeopardy. Right. Yep. Um, and, and they sometimes conflate the civil cases with the criminal cases. There's not that much criminal activity. Mm-hmm. There's some people looking at stuff based on the election mm-hmm. interference in Georgia. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's going to go anywhere. There's some people who are uh, musing about whether or not the insurrection will cause them to have liability. That's mm-hmm. that's a little bit interesting, given there was already impeachment on that. I don't, I don't know that the, that would be the Department of Justice. I don't know if they have the the will to do that, but the thing that most people have been talking about for the longest period of time is the business of Cy Vance and the Manhattan DA's office. Right, the taxes. Mm-hmm. You know, Cy Vance is a pretty cautious uh, person when it comes to bringing cases. Some mm-hmm. have argued too cautious. Um, you know, he argues otherwise. <clears throat> and, you know, he's done a couple of things that draw attention. He's hired somebody, Mark Pomerantz, who's a very noted lawyer in New York for a long time, to sort of have an independent flavor. Uh, you know, they've hired an outside forensic accounting firm. And, you know, given that he's in his last months of office, he's not seeking re-election. There's a primary in that race uh, in just a couple of months. It seems like he's making efforts to make a final decision and a likelihood of a charge before the DA's election in November, or at least before the new DA is sworn in next year. Mm-hmm. No guarantee of that. 
they could have a change of heart. But you know, the, the way I read the tea leaves, it just it looks like they have a feeling there's going to be a charge, and he wants to make sure that every T is crossed and I is dotted. Uh, Scott's question about whether or not Trump will ever see jail time. Well, you know, there's got to be a conviction, and there's got to be a sentencing. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I think you're likely to see a charge from the Manhattan DA. Yeah, but let me let me pa- let me pause at this because my impression is people say, well, he's he's had the oxygen and his platforms taken away from him, and he's gone quiet. My sense is, and you advise these people, or my sense is a defense attorney has said to him, dude, tone it down for a while. There's too many people trying to put you in jail. That's not your sense you're shaking your head. No, because I don't think that any defense attorney is capable of advising him yeah. in a way to, I mean, the most important time for him to have kept his mouth shut was during the Mueller investigation, during the first impeachment, during the second impeachment, when he was literally the president of the United States, and not just defense lawyers, but also advisors were probably telling him that because you get yourself in hot water. Yeah. Um, if he had just kept his mouth shut in the days leading up to the inauguration, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have been impeached again and he wouldn't yeah. be off Twitter. So yeah. I, I don't know that anybody can advise him. I mean, around. this is one of the reasons he can't get a good lawyer because mm-hmm. he doesn't pay them, number one. And number two, he doesn't listen to them. Yeah. But he seems to have been doing okay. He's still not in jail. So let me shift to another thing. You're known for aggressively taking down corruption on Wall Street. If you are still in practice, how would you look at the Reddit GameStop stock situation and mm. what's going on on Wall Street? Because there's so much activity now with with all these companies. Things are changing there, obviously. Yeah, you know, that some of that fear has, has quieted down. And I understand how there are people on sort of different sides and the, the people who hate the hedge funds and the people who love the hedge funds. I'm sort of quizzical about why People put so much money in hedge funds, given their their record. Um, you know, when it was when it was very much in the news, and I and I was thinking about it on, on a more regular basis. I'm not sure what criminal activity mm-hmm. you could charge anybody with. People are allowed to say what they want. Generally mm-hmm. speaking, people are allowed to trade as they want. Generally speaking, uh, you know, maybe there's some rulemaking that the SEC, the new SEC chair, can engage in. But I didn't, and, and in talking to people, sort of off the record, I didn't see any immediate you know, criminal penalty for, for any side of that mm-hmm. in GameStop. So not, I could be wrong. Not I don't think to, so. Let me ask you another question. Tech companies, all these lawsuits. Um, how do you think the Southern District is taking on tech companies? That There's a Justice Department lawsuit. There's an FTC, antitrust. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's the area. one area that the Southern District doesn't do, that local pro- use attorney's office doesn't do. They don't do antitrust. It's local. It's, it's, you're right. It's, it's, uh, that's handled states, by, the, by, the US, by the U.S. Department of Justice that have field offices that do antitrust. Mm-hmm. Um it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I haven't finished reading it, but I'm I'm interviewing uh, Amy Klobuchar, Senator Klobuchar, mm-hmm. on her book, giant book called called this very long antitrust. I did. She an didn't get them. With her. Did you? Yeah. Can you, you can send me your notes? Kill a poodle with it is what I told her. <laughs> Say that to her. Yeah. She didn't get. She didn't get the memo that the political memoir is supposed to be thin and. And hopeful, not say yeah, a whole lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's <laughs> you know. I w- let me just say, I had two delivered to my house. I have a lot of package thieves in my neighborhood. They stole both of them and then threw them back into my lawn. But go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so, so I don't know how, you know, the interesting thing about the Google lawsuit is there's there's something for conservatives and liberals there. Mm-hmm. But I also think there's a little bit of a, um, you know, an aura of, of politicization around things that the Trump administration did because Trump couldn't keep his mouth shut. So, you know, when when Trump talks about the politics of conservatives getting their voice heard or not heard, and then something is done, you know, an action is taken that seems to be consistent with what Trump would want. You worry a little bit about what people think of that, right? But 
it's, it seems to have been adopted and, and carried forward that it didn't have to be by the Biden administration. So we'll, we'll see, you know, on the, it, it's hard for prosecutors to do much in criminal law. We talk mm-hmm. about the ways in which you can go after companies for things. You know, the, crim- the criminal law is a big blunt instrument mm-hmm. and you have to show a, a beyond a reasonable doubt, provable violation of a particular statute. And, and much of what the debate is that you guys talk about a lot and that you and I have talked about, Kara, has to do with you know regulation, it has to do with c- Congress taking action, whether it's on Section 230 or something else. Th- th- I don't think there's a lot for criminal prosecutors to bash people over the heads with, given the things we're talking about. But Scott talks about this. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah. I'm just curious. Have we reached a point, though, where it feels to me like there's certain individuals who feel that they're above the SEC and to a certain extent above the law, specifically some people who try to put men on Mars and they feel like they can make <laughs> basically announce private equity buyouts that are essentially proven false. And the SEC finds them $10 million. Are they, I guess what I'm saying, is there a different set of standards legally and in terms of enforcement for a certain Jesus Christ of the internet? Um, I don't know who you're talking about. There shouldn't be. Um, and there's no double standard. The way, the way I thought about this when you talk about really prominent powerful people is, you know, naturally human beings want to get things right. Mm-hmm. And naturally when you're going to go after somebody who has a lot of resources, and quite frankly, as a matter of fairness and justice, you want to be right because you can destroy someone's reputation and destroy, you know, their pocketbook mm-hmm. because they have a certain, you know, reputation in the community and in the business world. Um, and you want to be careful about that. You want to be careful about that when you, you know, investigate and prosecute politicians and don't undo duly elected officials, mm-hmm. uh, you know, time in office. So I think you take a lot of care uh, and you make sure that you're not being overly creative. And so I don't know the particular things that the SEC might do with respect to that in, in that individual uh, who has big problems otherwise because of the, the car accident that I that I guess happened. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd like to think, and certainly I think under Gary Gensler uh, and this administration, no one's going to get a buy just because they have a lot of money. I mean, I'm almost by definition the kinds of people and institutions that the SEC regulates are powerful, moneyed, wealthy mm-hmm. entities and people. Mm-hmm. And I certainly never thought that way when I was in office. So can I ask you a question about where law is going? I mean, if you were in office right now, what are the things law that- Law is going. Law is going, big law. But <laughs> if you were you know, running the Southern Districts, what are the areas of interest for agencies like yours? Like, or, 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 or to, to, with with- uh, broadly speaking, what are the big important areas that? So, so I'll say I'll name two areas. Again, I'm not as close to it. I don't get you know the threat matrix stuff anymore like mm-hmm. I used to. Um, one thing is something that became a huge issue, a developing issue when I started 12 years ago, and I think we're having another wave of it. And that's all things related to cyber threats, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether it's coming from you know the hacktivists or it's coming from uh, you know random individuals who are trying to make money and steal your bank accounts, or I think most importantly, nation states. Mm-hmm. And you know a lot of this goes on behind the scenes, but there, there's you know very deeply involved agencies, uh, not just the FBI, the Secret Service, and the, uh, the intel agencies, who care about and think about what a cyber war could look like. And then second, in a completely different direction, although not you know fully different, still harm to you know infrastructure here in the country is domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. When I took office in '09, the Southern District had a long and storied history of going after. Sort of organized international terrorism 
you know, I was a few months on the job when Faisal Shahzad tried to blow up Times Square. Mm-hmm. We tried Ahmed Galani, the, the last person who was tried, who was taken in Guantanamo Bay. Um, that case sort of put an end to that. But now you have, you know, people in in this sort of right wing universe, and not just in the right wing universe, but in other, you know, places as well, who are not as organized, who you can't, you know, find evidence that they trained in Afghanistan. They don't have the same trip wires that they're sending that, that send messages to law enforcement. There's debate about a domestic terrorism statute. So I think, and you know, you you hear people like Joe Biden and others talk about this. We really need to think about a way to keep folks safe in the country because you're having individuals who are getting radicalized and it's harder to make a conspiracy case against them. Um, and then, you know, m- most recently, the rise in hate crimes. I think there's yeah. there's a there's a big worry <laughs> about that. So the insurrection, uh, I think, has w- awakened a lot of people to this. So th- those would be two of my priorities. If you I was saw the office. Oath Keeper was on 60 Minutes. It I did. I, did. I, I, missed, I missed the... I missed the interview, though. Yeah, it's, you should see it. It's terrifying. Yeah. And it's sort of like, yeah, law enforcement's helping us. This is, you know, who knows what he what he's saying is true or not. But you suspect what looking at the donations to uh, Kyle Rittenhouse from from legitimate police officers, the, what the what what's going on here in yeah. terms of worry about that. Um, so if you that, that those are the areas you would look into. Rather yeah. And than- also this maybe the spirit of your question was not about this, too. Um you know, we have a big criminal justice reform issue. We have a policing issue. Um, I have my television to my left is paused uh-huh. on the summation of the defense lawyer in the oh, Derek yeah. Chauvin trial. And I think, I don't think we'll have a verdict by the time this airs, but pretty soon thereafter, probably probably this week. Yeah. And it's going to say a lot about people's confidence in in policing, in prosecution, in the nature of, of the, the laws that relate to police discretion. And I think, you know, we've seen a year of reckoning, and now you have a moment of actual decision on the thing that caused appropriately millions of Americans to protest <clears throat> and make their voices heard last year. Now, now you're going to get literally, quite literally, a verdict on it. What do you? How do you think they did? Do you have? A I think the prosecutions. I think the prosecutors did a really, really good job. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, and I don't always think that. Yeah, me neither. And I can yeah, be critical. Yeah, I was critical. just saying that to I think the opening was, was particularly great. I, the summation this morning, I thought was very, very good. I don't, I don't think it was perfect. I think it could have been tighter and more focused. But the prosecution has a lot to work with. And I sometimes mm-hmm. say to, to students and to people um, who ask me the question, you know, you know, sometimes prosecutors win because they just have the evidence. And mm-hmm. you can be the best defense lawyer in the world. But you have, if you have a video of a guy shooting a guy and your client wants to go to trial, there's not a lot you're going to be able to do about it. And here you don't have a guy shooting a guy, but you have a guy... Derek Chauvin, with his knee in the back of, a, of of the neck of George Floyd for nine and a half minutes, and you have the, I mean, every bit of that yeah. is incredibly powerful. And you have the medical testimony and the experts going back and forth. But as the prosecutors, I think, correct, and, and the prosecutors done a great job of that. But as they say, the bottom line is, even before you get to any of that, you can decide this case basically on the video. And, and that's what they have on their side. So I, I, I expect a conviction on on at least the manslaughter and the murder three, maybe the murder two. I mean, one, one of the reasons you know the prosecutors are a little bit worried about murder two is that the murder three, and I don't want to get too technical, the murder three had been uh, eliminated from the trial and the prosecutors fought The prosecutors fought really hard to get this lesser count put back in. Right. Because you want to give the jury an, a menu right. of things mm-hmm. they can convict on. Yeah. But I think they've done a great job. Scott? 
Yeah. So uh, first, I just want to acknowledge, I thought your answer around what individuals you decide to devote prosecutorial resources to, I thought that was one of the more thoughtful answers. And it's heartening that that people uh, uh, in your position weigh the potential downside and damage and don't take lightly going after someone. I thought, anyways, I heard that and I thought, what the fuck are you doing at Vox? You should be running for Senate. But anyways. (laughs) He's not the guy on billions, Scott. Anyways. uh, I would love to hear your voiceover on uh, whether you believe there's criminal activity or if it'll ever come to a trial on representative gates oh it's a very it's it's a very frustrating thing to be um on this side of the fence i don't Mm -hmm. have any access to fbi 302s or interviews Mm -hmm. what's a 302 calling all cars (laughs) it's it's the name of the form it's the name of the force i'm trying to i'm trying to show that i used to actually have that that kind of job yeah so the 302 what is that that's just the form that FBI agents fill out when they do an interview or there's a development okay. in a case um, uh, so that they keep track of the investigation. So, so I'm at Gates, there's a lot going on there. You know, there, there are a lot of leaks. There are a lot of people talking smack about Matt Gates. Including himself. Including himself. And that's a sign because all those people are potential witnesses and maybe they kept quiet before and maybe they're not going to keep quiet now, not just with the press, but with the FBI and with prosecutors. But most importantly, you have an actual guy in the form of Mr. Greenberg who has pled guilty hmm. to, I'm, I'm sorry, is not pled guilty, but been charged and looks like he's going to plead guilty. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons you think it's going to be very bad for Matt Gates is his lawyer, Greenberg's lawyer, basically taunted from uh, behind microphones after proceeding last week, taunted Matt Gates is that he's not very, something like he's not, shouldn't be very be comfortable, comfortable right now, right? Yeah. Hmm. Basically saying, my guy is flipping and is going to help himself and is going to testify against you. And there's a lot of particularity to the charges against Greenberg. And there's a lot of particularity in some of the reporting, particularly out of the New York Times, about the kinds of things that Greenberg was doing with Matt Gates. Yeah. So ordinarily, I'm more circumspect in predicting things. Here, it seems a charge, I'm not gonna give a number, a charge, a charge seems quite likely, in, also in combination with just my general observation to Mr. Gates, which is that he's not a careful man. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, there's a lot of track record. I mean, if you believe the reporting, there are Venmo records, there are probably texting records, there are videos. Yeah, he's sloppy. And I think he talks to a lot of people. He has no business being in Congress. And the other thing he has going against him is the fact, and I think this is not insignificant if the reporting is to be believed, the investigation was begun when Bill Barr, who yeah. I have no love for or yeah. affection for, was the attorney general. And he didn't see anything there that caused him to want to quash the investigation, apparently. Even though on other occasions, there's things that Bill Barr seems to have done that favored uh, supporters of the president. Yep. So that combination of things, Greenberg, he's not careful, the leaking. So his and, move, and Barr is, his move is to attack him. Greenberg, right? That's what he'll do. That's what they'll do. Yeah. I mean, the way I've described it. It's like Michael Cohn, right? Yeah. I mean, in some ways, I, I, I've suggested before that Trump is kind of brilliant because the kind of people he surrounded himself with are liars and scoundrels. And then one day, when the liars and scoundrels decide they're going to flip on Donald Trump, as some of them maybe have contemplated, the defense is, what are you, what are you talking about? Those are liars and scoundrels. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't believe yeah. anything that they say. Yeah. So you always attack the cooperator because it is true. You know, one challenge is going to be, well, how slimy a guy it's is Greenberg? Very. And how is he going to appear? Look, that's yeah. part, one of the problems with Michael Probably. Cohen. Yeah. You know, Michael Cohen never got a cooperation agreement from my old office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is it because he wasn't fully truthful? Maybe. Is it because he was being selective in who he wanted to cooperate against? Maybe. Is it because they thought jurors wouldn't really 
Trust like him. him and believe him because he's he's lied. I mean, one of the, it's not great. Yeah. When one of your witnesses actually has lied, and that's one of the charges he pled guilty yeah. to is lying. You know, the, the cross is very formidable. Yeah. You know, one of the things you pled guilty to was lying, right? In a in a formal situation, right? Just like this one, right? Right. That's tough. Yeah. Would resignation from Congress be considered currency? Would a prosecutor see if 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 Representative Gates said Okay, I'm in trouble here. Is cur- is resigning or the offer to resign currency that potentially cauterizes or staves off a more aggressive prosecution, or do prosecutors just not care? Like this is the law; we don't care if you resign or not. That that is that is really a profoundly excellent question, and I don't know that there's a solid answer. The way I thought about it, we you know investigated and prosecuted a lot of uh, state representatives when I was in office, and we didn't really link the two. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're guilty of a crime, you're guilty of a crime, and you don't get a jail, get a jail-free card if you resign. Um, it, it may be something that I think appropriately, depending on the circumstances, is something that affects the um, a plea deal and yeah. what the recommendation of sentencing would be, because part of sentencing is contrition and acceptance of responsibility and leaving office. Um, arguably is a sign of that. You know, I, I teach law at NYU Law School mm-hmm. and I've been reading people's papers this week. And one of the proposed um, topics uh, that, that I gave students that they wrote about was whether the, the Southern District should have prosecuted Elliot Spitzer oh. after he was technically guilty of a violation of, you know, the Mann Act, which relates to prostitution. Mm-hmm. And my predecessor made the decision not to prosecute him because the general policy was in the office uh, that we didn't prosecute Johns and we didn't prosecute the sex workers, only the people who engage in the traffic and, and if there was coercion. Mm-hmm. And a number of students addressed this very issue of of what was the relevance of Spitzer's uh, decision to resign. And, and I don't know what it was because it wasn't my decision to make, but, but you know, I, I think it can factor in at the margins yeah. and on sentencing, but otherwise you shouldn't be able you know, if you're a teacher and you commit a crime and you quit, um, depending on the seriousness of the crime, I don't think you get a buy. Oh, mm-hmm. Scott, you're in trouble then. Oh, sorry. <laughs> my one, not anymore. My one call. Have you seen who my one call is? <laughs> He's not going to answer that call. Yeah, He's not close. going to. He's too classy. Oh, who we're talks close. on the phone? I'm your one text. Is that, one is that text. Oh, don't I'll text. Don't Venmo. Don't Wait, Venmo I, I anyone, have, Scott. I have another Stop. question. I'm going to steal your All right, your last question, and then we're going to find out what next for Preet at Vox Media. But go ahead, Scott. Well, I, I want to ask the same question, but I want to go more meta. I, y- you're you're a let's be honest you're you're a pretty impressive cat right you yeah. you're like you've had this crazy career where it's sort of you know not the question is what you're what you're going to do it's the question is what you're not going to do uh, i would love sort of if you can a non bullshit answer here <laughs> what where do you want to be in 5 years yeah. do you want to be in office i got to consult my contract do you want to be but, yeah we're stuck here uh, you strike so. me as a guy as a man with a plan like five yeah. years, where do you want to be? Four. So, so, so this is not this is a non bullshit answer that okay. will surprise you. I don't really have a plan. You know, no. the funny thing is, so the only thing I ever planned mm-hmm. that I definitely absolutely wanted to do was become a line prosecutor at SDNY. You know, I knew that in law school. Mm-hmm. I knew that when I was in private practice, uh, I changed firms to work with alumni of the Southern District so that I could impress them and they would write me good letters of recommendation. That was very intentional, mm-hmm. and that's what I did. And five years into that job, that's the best job I'll ever have, there's this weird opportunity to go work in the Senate. And I hadn't fully, I think, made my bones as a prosecutor. Mm-hmm. I would have tried more cases. I wanted to do different kinds of things. And this opportunity came along. And I took it 
because I got to work on the Senate Judiciary Committee, being chief counsel to Chuck Schumer, at the beginning of 05, when everyone predicted there were going to be at least one, if not more, Supreme Court vacancies, there hadn't been one in 11 years. Stable court from 1994 to 2005, and Senator O'Connor stepped down, and this idea, and it was not a plan, mm -hmm. I thought, what could be more fascinating than to go work on the Hill on Supreme Court confirmations? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I did that, but it now it turns, so people try to reverse engineer my career. It turns out that going to the Senate, working for Senator Schumer, staying there until the Democrats won back the Senate, and then um, this unknown individual, Barack Obama, becomes president, I'm now in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. Senator Schumer, based on his you know, trust in me and experience with me, recommended me to become the U.S. attorney. I never would have predicted, there was no, there was no mm -hmm. people think I had a plan, like that's what he was doing, he was trying to become the U.S. attorney. I wasn't. Right. I had no plan. Um, I mean, I have a plan. My, my plan is always to do a thing that is interesting mm -hmm. and that uses your brain and then crush it. And then yeah. my, my plan is success. And maybe uh, that sounds... So bigger podcasts, newsletters, focus on legal. Well, yeah, no, also... I, I don't know because because <laughs> we just entered this this marriage yeah. with Vox. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think over the next few years, there's a lot of opportunity to educate people, to inform people, to entertain folks, maybe in ways that haven't been done before, not just in sound, well, the reason we came to value, you know, there's a lot of audiovisual, there are documentary possibilities. Uh, it's only been four days, but yeah. you know, all of those things are on the table, and all of those things I think can happen. And then in the future, yeah, if there are leadership opportunities, uh, of course I'm open to them. Oh, but interesting. but what but what I but boss, what I've been God. focusing on for the last few years, you know, once we saw the impact you can have, uh, even from just podcasting, and you know, the, mm -hmm. you know, our followers are very loyal. Yeah, um, and I think they you know, appreciate calls to action to make the country better. That, um, you know, we grew a business and I want to make, I want to make it successful. And Jim Bankoff thought it was worth, yeah. you know, and Marty Mo thought it was worth doing. Yeah. And so for would right now, my back, focus on this. Would you go back to prosecuting? I mean, look, right now they're considering making the Supreme Court bigger, which I think is never going to happen. No, um, I don't think so. Would you ever consider going back into politics or, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, look, I, I was 17 years in public service, mm -hmm. 17 and a half years. And I was so into being in public service that even when an odious man was elected president, when he asked me to stay on and remain in public service, I said, yes, as Donald Trump. He changed his mind and he fired me. Um, so, so I always have a love for public service. And in fact, you know, a, a number of our podcast hosts have been called back to public service uh, because it's, it's important work. I, I don't see that for some time because I got this and I want to, and I want to build this and I want to do right by, um, you know, our listeners and our followers. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not that old. So someday in the future, um, I'm open to it. When you're president, Carrie, you can appoint me to I'm something. not going to be president. No, that's, that's a thought. <laughs> but so I, I'm sorry. I just got to ask one more question. I got to ask All one right, more question. Go, go for it. Look at uh, this. Advice? It's now the Preet and Scott show from NYU. But <sighs> Do go we ahead. plug, stay tuned? And stay tuned stay with Preet. Yes. It's stay part of the Vox Media Podcast, Podcast Network. Network. We're going to do that. Okay, of course, all right. we're going to let you do the Snooze whole show Snoozerama. Uh, you like that? <laughs> no, he's going to do The bosses it. are going to listen to this. It's like, oh my God, oh, he's they, running for office tomorrow. We give them plenty. We give them plenty. Go ahead, Nobody Scott. Last yes. Preet, advice to your 25-year-old self. Oh. Advice to younger men and women just out of school or not out of school. Like, where would you, give me one or two things that changed your life for the better. What advice, what advice do you have for young people? Yeah. So it's a little bit what I just said. Don't plan so much. You know, I, I once when I was in the Senate, there, there was this young group, I can't remember if they were like Harvard or Yale law students. They all want to be you know, masters of the universe. And 
And I, one of those young people asked me the question because they saw where I was. They thought I had a big deal job. I was chief counsel to a you know significant senator. And they said, um, they said how do we do that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how do we become powerful? And I gave them a whole speech about how, you know, I didn't come to the Hill. I was old for the Hill, like in my mid to late 30s. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons I got to be successful at the Hill is I, I learned some craft. Yeah. Like I learned how to practice law. I learned how to try cases. And then it just fell in my lap when the Justice Department under Bush was misbehaving and there was a whole investigation into the politicization of the Justice Department back in 2007. Yeah, I was the only times. I, I was one of the only people in the entire committee, and it's a very impressive lawyers, but one of the very few people who could take a deposition, right? Yeah. Um, and who could do an investigation because I had learned some craft. So you have a lot of, so this is advice, you know, generally, but, all, but, but specific to, to highly ambitious people. And there's nothing wrong with being ambitious. But learn, learn a trade, learn how to do something. Mm-hmm. We have too many people in power who have never done anything except be sort of on the path to power without learning how to paint or to code or to try a case or to build something, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the more leaders we have who actually have done something, have learned a craft or a trade, the better off we will be and the better off those people will be. I think it opens up opportunities. Very That's good one thing. answer. Classy answer, Scott. Not a craft. Classing up the joint. Classing Not up the craft. joint. You already did. It's like by 150%. So really, this is so good for us, Scott. Come on. That's how we think of everything, Preet, just so you know. Is it good for Scott and Kara? And this is good for I Scott think, and Kara. I think so. Should we pivot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally- Oh, I, he made a little joke about our name. I couldn't believe it when I read it. Oh, oh my god. You'll gosh. be doing tequila shots with us soon enough. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Um, anyways, Preet, we're very excited you're here. I'm going to plug you your so things. Much. You yes. have- Stay tuned with Preet Podcast. Uh, and what other podcast? Name We have the Cafe Insider. Okay. So uh, cafe.com slash insider to sign up. It's okay. great stuff. We're announcing a new co-host in Who? today or tomorrow. I think Who? I can't say yet. Oh, good. This doesn't come out till tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Tell us. I think I can tell you. Go ahead. So Ann Milgram has been nominated to be the next oh. DEA administrator. Oh, wow. wow. And the new, the new co-host will be um, lawyer extraordinaire, classing up my joint. Joyce Vance. Oh, wow. You may know wow. Joyce from commentating and other sure things. Sure do. She's brilliant and great, and she's going um, to make me look good. Okay. This is going to be fantastic. This is yes. going to be great. We're very excited for you to be here. Besides class of the joint, this theory of legal and it's sort of the intersection. Oh, and Third Degree with Ellie Third. Honig. That's another podcast oh, right. we have. Yeah, we have a whole one. bunch. And Doing yeah. Justice based on, we got yeah. a whole bunch. Yeah. Just, yeah. All right. All right. That's why we're here. Thank you, Preet. You're the Thanks, best. Thanks, folks. We Please. really appreciate Close it. And we'll friend, be getting you Scott. better internet. Welcome to the okay? family. Welcome to and the family. And you always return the family's phone calls from prison. All right, Scott. Uh, he may be a gentle lover. I don't know. But he's certainly a gentle colleague, don't you think? I noticed you changed your name. Ooh, he's to a colleague. Friend. Colleague. He's a colleague. He's a colleague. You saw what I changed my screen, screen yes, name to? Yes, Preet's close friend. Good luck with we that. We are. We are okay, close. Okay, we'll see how that works out. We are All close. right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails. Yep. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools 
and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Support for Pivot comes from Hidden Layer. It seems like everywhere you look, industries are turning to generative AI. We talk about it a lot on this show. Businesses can generate more ideas, answers, connections, solutions, and momentum. But at the same time, security teams are forced to slow down that progress so they can make sure AI adoption is safe and responsible. Hidden Layer's AI detection and response platform secures generative AI and large language models from malicious attacks, leaking of confidential information, and intellectual property theft. Hidden Layer helps you generate more by enabling seamless, secure generative AI. Here's how it works. AI detection and response protects businesses from potential attacks by monitoring and analyzing the inputs and outputs of their generative AI applications, blocking harmful transactions and alerting security teams in real time, allowing organizations to accelerate their AI adoption with speed. Customers in finance, technology, healthcare, and even the U.S. Department of Defense trust Hidden Layer to protect their AI today. Plus, Hidden Layer was named Most Innovative Startup at RSA, the most significant cybersecurity conference in the nation. With Hidden Layer, go from pause to possibilities. Generate more with Hidden Layer. Visit hiddenlayer.com slash pivot to learn more about Hidden Layer's AI detection and response solution. Okay, Scott, wins and fails. That was a win with Preet. I think Preet's a win, don't you think? Yeah, if you listen to... Uh, your interview with Senator Klobuchar, if you listen to our interview with Andy Slavitt yeah. and you listen to that interview, you think, wow, yeah. distinct to the cartoon that's been made. Quality. Of public servants. They continued, yeah. government continues to attract the best and brightest. That guy is, I mean, he just reeks of credibility and thoughtfulness. Yeah. And when Yeah, you, I always, when people say government's good, I'm like, that's not true. There's some yeah. bad people in government, just like at every workplace, but uh, there's a lot of very highly that competent That guy's crazy people. impressive. Crazy yeah. impressive. I hope, and I'll add, I really do hope he, I mean, as, as, as much as I'm excited about the, you know, Vox Media Podcast Network and the yeah. impact we're going to have on the world, I would really like to see him re-engage in public service at some Me point. Me too. Me too. It'll be interesting. Um, it's interesting he didn't go into the Biden administration. Yeah, that he strikes me as someone who, in, uh, like sooner rather than later, gets the call. Right? Yep. Yep. Probably. Anyway, wins and fails. Uh, my wins and fail are about the same thing. It's the vaccine. Now, I think it's one in two American adults yeah. have had their first shot. I think it's fantastic. We're making real progress against vaccine hesitancy. Um, uh, and but my fail is all the attention and noise and what I would call. Uh, really damaging exploitation of the news around the clots. You know, we can yeah. lose we can lose 140 people in three months to mass shootings, but if we lose one person to a blood clot, that's unacceptable. It just strikes me that no one wants to look at the data and that w- when you stop, when J&J seizes uh, uh, distribution because of the blood clots, it's really a testament to the safety of these things and the protocols and just the standards are so high around vaccines. Yeah. That if we had a fraction of that same safety standards around the rest of parts of our lives, it'd be a much better place. And I see it as a, as a strong signal that, you, you know, vaccines are incredibly safe. And when yep, they aren't. I agree. My lovely wife, Amanda, got the J&J vaccine and actually has a has a blood clotting disorder. And so she was more of essays saying she'd take it again. She'd take it again. 
You know what the word is? Uh, my my sister just summarized it perfectly for me. She's in San Francisco, and she got it was either she got her uh, first, and she said, "I said, how do you feel?" And she said, "It's freeing." Yeah. And my message to everybody is, I can't tell you how good, how strong, how empathetic, how patriotic you'll feel if yeah. you haven't already gotten this thing. I think it's one of the most. It's I I I, I don't know how you felt, but I felt Great. I haven't felt that good about everything yep. uh, then after that, that yeah hope hope freeing my son's so, got it i find my son's got it this weekend got it this weekend oh uh, they did and so yeah because it's now eligible to all every uh, uh, everyone over 16 so uh so it was great they got the pfizer because the younger kids are getting the pfizer vaccine and yeah. i feel great the only one that doesn't have it is my baby because you're not giving it to babies yet so that's the only but they don't get tend to get it um in any case it, it does feel freeing that is a good win what is your fail Oh, my fail is a uh, uh, my fails. I'm and I got. I'm totally got something stuck in my craw about this. Is I'm just <laughs> irate over the notion that Coinbase pretends it's not a broken IPO. Oh. I, I just I can't. It's it's literally, uh, arguably one of the worst performing IPOs uh, year to date. Yeah, it's getting slapped around on the in the financial Twitter. Well, it's just it, I lo- I just this whole idea of let's pretend there's an illusory thing called a reference price so we can claim that our IPO was a success. And and someone also, I want to point out, someone on Twitter pointed out that I talked about how institutional clients who get the pop in a traditional IPO are getting, uh, uh, one of the pauses there is that retail investors benefit because of uh, institutional, uh, institutional buyers of those funds represent um, unions. And someone on Twitter pointed out correctly that venture capitalist institutional investors also benefit the same people. And they're absolutely right. Um, but the transfer, it's just a transfer of what I'll call that, that pop from the institutional clients of uh, investment bankers to the institutional clients of VCs who want to capture, but uh, which is, you could make an argument that's neither here nor there, it just is. Mm-hmm. But it really, it bothers me that the media has taken the bait here and is not calling this what it is, and that is a broken yep. IPO. All right. That's a good call. That's a good call. And I think a lot of people are noticing that too. Um, just I, I, my win is is uh, there's a yet another, I, you know, I love Fast and Furious, as you know. Oh, here I'm we go. go. see F9. But yeah. now there's another one, which is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is coming out in September. I'm good. That's my first theater going, I think. I'm very excited about it. It's going to have Aquafina in it. There's uh, this guy named Simu, I think it's Liu. Uh, he's in it. It's just Go look at the trailer. It's fantastic. I'm so excited for all the big, noisy movies in a theater. And you know I've been hard on theaters, but nonetheless, I want to see these things in a big theater. You know what's more exciting, I believe, is uh, the um, uh, Amazon $450 million on – is it – not the Tolkien series. It's the – what are they doing? They're spending spending half a billion dollars. Whatever. That's great. I'm glad they're taking Jeff Bezos' money and doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, one. I just feel like, th- 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 even though I do think theaters are really troubled, and we talked about your experience at, at the Cinerama Dome, um, uh, I think, uh, I don't know what to think about this. This is my fail, but I don't think it's a fail. I can't decide, um, it, which is Apple is letting Parler back into the App Store following moderation improvements. A lot of people do not feel good about this because they think Parler shouldn't be allowed back at all. But I, I, I can't decide whether it's a win or fail. I think it's both. I think it's, it makes me worried that these these platforms get to exist at the same time. I feel okay about it. I don't know. What do you think? You know, I, I think you know, Tim Cook told this to me in the interview we did. But um, but what do you think about that? Um, 
By the way, it's uh, another one. Knives Out is supposedly in contracts to do two sequels. Um, the uh, uh, I I think if you really have a thoughtful, measured conversation and put your politics aside, yeah, it's hard to not end up in an uncomfortable place where you're banning stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, so so I probably a positive. Yeah, I th I think it is probably a positive. Yeah, I didn't react badly uh, about it. Um, and, and, you know, of course, as usual, the things are being mad at Apple for taking them off in the first place. Uh, Glenn Greenwald has a stupid tweet once and again. Um, but, the, but the fact is they're coming back on and, uh, and, uh, and we'll see what happens there. Interesting enough, while we're talking Reddit is uh, previewing Reddit Talk, a Clubhouse-like social audio feature for subreddit. So coming to iOS and Android. So everyone's in the space, Scott. It's time for us to jump in. We already talk every week in the sub. But anyway, there's a lot going on. Okay, Scott, that's the show. That was an exciting show. That was a lot. That was a lot. That we'll be back lot. for more on Friday, though. At the same time, there'll be plenty to talk about. There's so much news. Go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit your question for the Pivot podcast. Link is also in our show notes. Read us out. Today's show is produced by Rebecca Sinanos. Ernie Andrew engineered this episode. Thanks also to Hannah Rosen and Drew Burrows. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Are we blessed to live in a country that continues to attract the best and brightest? to be thoughtful and measured around the connective tissue yeah. of the greatest nation and the greatest tensile strength and muscle in history, and that is the U.S. government. He's still not going to call you back when you're in jail. He's my he? call. He's my he's call. He's not going to call you. He's just, he's literally, he's going to be with me having You could drinks, hear it in his and voice. And we're going to say, we're let close. it go. You we're going to say, let it, it go. Voice. Let it go. We're Let's close. not get involved. Let's move along. Now, this show is now called Pivot with Kara Swisher and Preet's close friend, Scott Galloway. <laughs> <laughs> That is absolutely true, Rebecca. See you on Friday. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.